Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to share with you why I think the predictions of property price reductions uh, anywhere in the order of sort of 10 uh, and C- CBA came out with a worst case scenario of 32%. Uh, why I think those predictions are wildly overcooked. Uh, and in fact, why I think um, there'll be uh, that the property market will be relatively okay. Uh, it seems like the more the bearish you are with your predictions, uh, the, the more attention you'll get. And I think sometimes uh, that's what drives uh, such forecasts. And obviously it's what um, drives newspapers and TVs and so forth. Uh, to run that sort of media. Now, you could be thinking, look, Stuart, you're a, a, a perpetual property optimist. You know, you rarely think that property is going to fall in value, and that's not true. I have written about uh, previously some uh, fundamental factors that drive property growth, and if they were to change, or at least I thought they were going to change uh, for the longer run, uh, then, of course, it's going to have a negative impact on property. Uh, and some of those are, include money supply, so you know, the volume of lending coming into the marketplace, uh, also uh, population growth to some degree, not always really for investment-grade locations, but uh, certainly from a meeting house uh, price uh, perspective. Um, uh, you know, some of those factors uh, have longer-term implications, but what we're really talking about here is the impact of coronavirus on the property market. Uh, and whether we have a V-shaped recovery, U-shaped recovery, or something that uh, uh, looks more like a deep recession, uh, will probably or could probably uh, have an impact on property price growth. Having said all that, I've uh, I did a, a piece for the Australian, and I did a podcast on it. How there is actually quite a weak linkage with unemployment and property price growth. Uh, so anyway, let's think about what needs to happen uh, for property to be to fall by more than ten percent. And really, there needs to be a reasonable amount of volume of property up for sale on the marketplace. So that is, we need to be ha- we need to have more sellers than there are buyers. Uh, and look, that could happen uh, particularly if people are financially distressed, need to sell quickly, and in that circumstance, whoever drops their price first tends to secure the sale. And that sort of for selling uh, is what will uh, weigh heavily on property prices. Um, and that's what we'd need. Certainly, we'd need mass selling uh, if we're going to see a 30% drop in prices, for example. Um, but really, you've got to think about it, the fact that people will fight very hard to save their home. You know, it's their castle. It's really the last thing that they want to do. Uh, and they will consider all avenues, typically, uh, to avoid having to do that. So whether they can get additional work and additional income, uh, save money by reducing expenditure, um, all those sorts of things. And obviously, banks are helping in terms of repayment pauses. We've obviously got JobKeeper, which has uh, certainly dominated the headlines over the last uh, week or so. And I guess the uh, main concern, so, so I think most people are sort of, uh, believe, yeah, okay, right until September, while we've got repayment pauses and JobKeeper, we should be relatively okay. So a lot of the concern then is what happens after those things evaporate. So what happens after September when JobKeeper finishes uh, and when uh, normal loan repayments need to uh, resume? 
Well, the first thing that we need to do is remind ourselves that there are a reasonable amount of uh, people that haven't actually been impacted uh, by uh, the COVID shutdown. And so what I did is I did a survey across all our list. We got about 450, 451 responses. So I thank everyone that shared or participated in that survey. And and what it did uh, for me is that it confirmed my feeling in respect to a number of issues and probably only uh, highlighted that my expectation was wrong on one other matter, which I'll uh, talk about uh, in a second. Uh, So the survey, when we asked in the survey whether you'd been impacted or whether people had been impacted um, by the COVID shutdown, and um, uh, and th- it's important to say that we had the survey covered various age ranges and also various uh, employment circumstances, as in PAYG employees, self-employed, people not working and so forth. So it wasn't skewed to any particular demographic or socioeconomic um, um, people or, or segment. Uh, in any case, uh, 40, nearly 40 3% of people said they hadn't been impacted uh, and then another 23, 24% in fact uh, said that they've only had a small reduction uh, in value in income, so somewhere between 1 and 15%. So really two-thirds of people haven't really had a material reduction in income as a result of COVID, which is really good news and something we can need to remind ourselves that it's really that one-third or really the, the economic impact of that one-third of, of people that we need to be concerned about. However, the next question I asked in the survey was, of the people that have been impacted, negatively impacted in terms of income-wise, how long will it take, or do they expect it will take, for them to recover their income back to uh, pre-COVID levels? And the good news is that two-thirds of the people that have been impacted Uh, expect to recover their income within at least a 12-month period, uh, some uh, a lot lot sooner than that. Uh, So for the V-shapers out there, you know, the people that believe in a V-shaped recovery, it it seems like in the main that um, people will be back to where they were relatively quickly, but also there's a large amount of people that haven't been impacted at all. So kind of good news. Uh, the, the next question I asked of uh, was, uh, are you confident you're going to be able to make loan repayments after September? And uh, perhaps surprisingly to some degree, because I think the number is larger than what I expected it to be, but about 8% of respondents actually said that they were a little bit concerned about whether they're going to be able to recommence uh, loan repayments after September. Now, of course, uh, there's going to be an element of conservatism, I think, with respect to these results, you know, people worrying about uh, the future um, and whether those worries then um, rationally reflect in their uh, indications. But anyway, it is what it is. That's the number. Uh, So uh, what impact will that have uh, on the property market? Well, I think firstly... Uh, the banks are in the business of lending money, not selling properties and foreclosing. Uh, and that is particularly in a post-Royal Commission environment. That is the last thing that they will want to do. Uh, so a bank is going to need to make an assessment as to how quickly uh, the uh, borrower will likely recover their income and be able to make some sort of repayments. Uh, and then they will uh, more likely than not come to alternative repayment terms 
which could include a second uh, a repayment pause uh, or re- reduced repayments for a period of time. Uh, and in fact, I think banks will probably start formulating policies targeting at specific industries. So, for example, if you work in hospitality uh, and you can't make your repayments after September, that you'll get another three months or something like that. Knowing that hospitality is one of the, or tourism is uh, one of the last few industries uh, to open up gradually. So, probably unfair to expect them to recover their income fully by September. Uh, Westpac announced last week that they will uh, allow borrowers to convert from principal interest repayments to interest only. Uh, Again, if they've been impacted by COVID, uh, normally that would require a full credit approval process, but uh, they can circumvent that, uh, obviously, to help people through it. So I think the banks will be more than willing uh, to um, provide additional uh, assistance for people that are being impacted, particularly and I think this is where it's going to be needed, particularly for, for industry people that work in industries that have been heavily impacted by the COVID shutdown. Of course, I think there also will be more stimulus to come as well. Now, it's interesting that the government's found an extra $60 billion uh, as a result of their uh, miscalculation with respect to JobKeeper. So I know the government, the federal government's been saying, look, we don't really want to spend that extra $60 uh, billion. Uh, but I, I think uh, even though they haven't communicated at this stage, I think there's a very strong possibility that they're going to have to uh, provide further stimulus. Uh, uh, I think there might be further generalised stimulus like a JobKeeper, as in JobKeeper is very generalised rather than targeted. Uh, so I think there'll be further generalised stimulus, uh, but I think there's a greater chance of there being uh, further targeted stimulus So that is that they will do things to target certain industries such as hospitality and leisure and and tourism and and so forth. So together with more stimulus, targeted stimulus and the banks, uh, I think post-September doesn't look nearly as uh, concerning uh, as one might uh, first initially think. Now, for people that are in a financial, uh, are experiencing financial hardship and do need to sell their property to reduce debt, uh, it is very important uh, for those people that we've got a healthy property market because if no one wants to buy property at a particular time, it makes it very, very difficult for people to sell. Uh, And I think the most uh, surprising or one of the most surprising um, uh, bits of information that, uh, that I gleaned from this survey was I asked of the people that were intending to buy a property at the beginning of this year, so before uh, coronavirus started, uh, how many of those people uh, expect to continue and pursue those plans and either buy a property this or next year? And 60% of the people that intended to buy a property will continue to do so, um, which I think is a, is a surprisingly large number. Uh, and particularly, you've got to think about the beginning of this year, it was very, very opt- optimistic. There was a lot of optimism about the property market. You know, we thought it was going to be a really strong year and coronavirus has really come out of the blue. So I think that there would be an unusually higher number of people that were intending to get into the property market this year. Uh, and for for 60 of them, 60% of them to remain uh, I think that's um, that's a really good result. So I think there'll be enough buyer demand uh, to underpin the selling volume that may need to uh, transpire over this year, particularly for people that are in financial hardship. The other thing to think about too is that 
um, of, of the people being impacted by the, the shutdown, uh, a lot of them are low-income earners. Uh, a lot of people that have lost their job were part-time workers. Um, and uh, and they're obviously from just certain sectors as well. Certain sectors have been impacted um, more than others. Uh, as I've sp- spoken about before, um, uh, recreation, travel, retail, accommodation, food services, hospitality, those sorts of things. Um, and if you have a look at ABS data, the people employed um, uh, by those industries uh, earn between one third and one half of average weekly times earnings, uh, which is you know, average earnings of Australians. So they're some of the lowest paid people in the economy, unfortunately. Uh, and so also the stats tell us and, and common sense tells us that lower income earners tend to have lower rates of home ownership. Uh, so they're a lot more likely to be renters than they are to be homeowners. Uh, and so in terms of people or, or, or whether they're going to contribute a lot to the forced selling, the volume of potential forced selling in the market, well, if we think about who's been really heavily impacted by the shutdown, it's unlikely these people are going to be uh, material contributors to the kind of uh, forced selling. Uh the big question uh, in regards to you know how healthy the economy is, which obviously then to some degree informs us of uh, what the future growth prospects of property prices are. Uh, you know the big question is about consumer spending. Consumer spending adds uh, about sixty percent or accounts for about sixty percent of uh, GDP um, in Australia, uh, and so it is a pretty important component uh, for Australia to bounce back. Uh, we must remind ourselves that this economic slowdown was supply-driven rather than demand-driven. So that is, you know, unfortunately some businesses have been uh, adversely impacted uh, and their consumer spending will be uh, impaired. Uh, But otherwise, people's demand levels, and as we've seen through online sales, you know, the, the amount of volume that has been occurring in online sales, uh, most people's demand has remained unchanged. It's just the fact that they've been locked inside their homes. So one of the questions I asked was, when the lockdown restrictions are lifted, uh, will your your spending return to normal? And interestingly enough, about 45% of respondents said it'll either return to normal or um, I'll be spending more than normal. Uh, and 40% said they'll spend a little bit less. Uh, and the remaining amount, 15%, said they'll actively reduce their spending. Uh, I think the 45% will probably likely more than offset the impact of the 15%, you know, the 15% that said they're going to actively reduce their spending. Uh, so I think from overall perspective, when you look at this data, uh, if it is representative of the larger economy, and I suspect it is, uh, overall, I think it uh, it really doesn't look like uh, it's going to be a bigger deal in terms of the impact of consumer spending. Uh, I, I initially thought there might be a bit of pent-up demand out there. So that is people that have been locked inside their homes that would normally be spending money on restaurants and travel and going on holidays, all those sorts of things, that haven't been able to do that. Um, and I, so I thought initially, oh, well, maybe um, those people will really come out, guns are blazing and create a lot of uh, demand uh, and spend a lot of money in the economy, but only 5.5% of respondents said that they will spend more than they usually do once the lockdown restrictions are lifted. I thought the number might be a little bit higher than that, but that was uh, kind of interesting. 
Um, interestingly enough, Westpac Melbourne Institute Consumer Sentiment Survey uh, that was released in May, uh, the largest monthly gain uh, in nearly 50 years since those uh, that data's been uh, put together. I've got a link in the show notes. So certainly consumer confidence and so forth looks like it's rebounding uh, pretty quickly. Of course, nothing is without risks. Uh, and I think there's probably really two downside risks that the property market potentially faces in the future. The first one is a second wave of infection that results in additional lockdown measures or lockdown measures being reinstated. I think if that was to happen, uh, I would suspect the uh, economic impact to be very severe. And I think that the housing market would not escape um, some of the negative outcomes of that. So I think if we have a second wave of infection and we're locked down, uh, I'm not very optimistic about the economy or the property market. Uh, but that risk seems to have abated quite significantly over the past few weeks. And really, Australia's virus control is the envy of many, many countries around the world. Uh, and just as a side note, I think it will make Australia more attractive immigration destinations so in the long run. Uh, I think it will actually fuel the property price growth rather than deteriorate it. The second risk is money supply. I've done some research previously, and I've got a link in the show notes, uh, to I charted you know, the lending volumes versus property uh, price growth, and it shows a pretty strong um, correlation, positive correlation, uh, that is when loan volumes increase, more money's flowing into the market, that spurs on prices. And the reverse is true as well. Uh, unfortunately, the banking industry from an operational perspective is um, in disarray at the moment. Uh, you know that uh, banks have been dealing with significantly higher workloads uh, as a result of a lot of the measures that they've been implementing. Uh, plus also their whole workforce in Australia and offshore is very fragmented. If they've got people working in India, it's not happening at the moment. Um, or the Philippines in a very stringent lockdown uh, and uh, Australian staff working from home, it causes operational headaches. Uh, and ANZ announced last week it's three weeks before they even look at a new loan application. So um, I think we've got some problems uh, in that space. Uh, it might take a few months at best, I think, to resolve these operational uh, issues, but if they persist for a longer period of time, that's going to have a negative impact on lending volumes and that could have a negative impact on property price growth. So to sum up, there's a lot of negative sentiment at the moment about the property market and also the Australian economy. Uh, of course, no one really knows what's going to happen next uh, and that includes me, <laughs> of course. But if you have a look at the survey results uh, and really... If you're out in the property market, you'll see that there's a lot of demand still out there. Uh, I don't think property will drop any more than 10% this year. Of course, I could be wrong, but I don't think it will drop more than 10%. And I would not be surprised if uh, property prices remain largely intact. Uh, I guess the, 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 the most important point I'd like to make in this podcast is that I think investment-grade property fundamentals remain largely intact that is largely unaffected by coronavirus uh, in the long run, of course, and I think that's the most important point uh, to come from uh, this analysis. Play the long game, people, and uh, invest in quality assets, and that's always going to produce good quality results. 
so a bit of a long-winded one this week. I apologise. Uh, as always, you'll find more information in the show notes and on the blog on the website, including links and so forth. Uh, and until next week, bye for now.